0: Welcome to Folk Tales. I'm Dominic Zamet, Director at Boat Folk, and throughout this series I'll be joined by a wealth of guests from the UK's boating community who will be sharing their stories of lives spent in, on or by the water. This is a podcast by Boat Folk, for Boat Folk, and I hope you enjoy listening. Today I'm joined by Fiona Cloak, Olympic organiser, environmental champion, Atlantic sailor, executive coach, and the list goes on. Fiona, really, really great to have you on with us today. How are you doing?
1: I'm fine, thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me to join you. It's a great privilege.
0: You're very welcome. We love having people both within and outside of the Boatfoot community. You're not a birth holder, but you're a very honorary member of our community. So thanks for joining us. Look, we've got a whole load we could talk to you about. And I really wanted to start simple and ask you where you're from and where did you grow up?
1: So I live in Winchester, nicely positioned for me to be able to get to the coast easily to go sailing. I grew up in Leicestershire. So it's a bit of a landlocked mystery how I ended up falling in love with the ocean.
0: Yeah, well, you know, when did you first set foot on a boat?
1: I was about 13 and my cousins live on the Essex-Suffolk borders and we got shipped off to a summer holiday camp. So I was sailing wayfarers and toppers in the glorious proximity to the Bradwell Nuclear Power Station, which gave all of those man overboard drills a certain kind of green glow edge.
0: Absolutely. And was it love at first sail or was it more tentative than that?
1: No, I loved it. I'd always loved the sea, even long before then. But actually, the minute I got on a boat, I was like, this is my thing. (laughs) But equally, not very easy to do when you live slap in the middle of the country. And actually, I right from the beginning, I loved ocean sailing. I'm not a big fan of what I call pond sailing, although I might possibly make an exception for Lake Michigan, which is big (laughs) enough as a pond to almost feel like it's ocean.
0: (laughs) Understandable. You've done some amazing achievements on the water. Talk to us a little bit about your Transat adventure.
1: Oh, goodness. I I crossed the Atlantic in 2018 as part of a delivery crew. 20 days from Gibraltar to Barbados. We left in a Force 8-9, so the first three days were... Pretty rubbish, and then the weather just got better. What's not to like? So, and having that amount of space and time away from everyone else is is a life changer, literally. Because no. when in today's currently crazy, busy, too many devices world, do you have that luxury? It's phenomenal. I read loads of books. I spent a long time staring at the horizon. I used to be on dawn patrol for the flying fish. So you get these. Crazy little flying fish. Well, some of them are little and some of them are really big. And considering I was on quite a big boat, it was on the 75 footer, they have an amazing trajectory and manage to land themselves on deck overnight. So the minute it gets light in the morning, whoever's on watch at the time has to go and do the flying fish patrol. Because if you leave them on deck, they stink as it gets <laughs> It's like, it's a really bad smell. The Bayesians in Barbados, they, they eat them. <laughs> you know, flying fish burger. But, um, Yeah, on deck, when you find that they've kind of got themselves under a rib or something, it's it's not good. But they also really freak you out in the middle of the night because there was one night I was on watch. And yeah, I'm sitting minding my own business, kind of I'm in the middle of the Atlantic. There's nothing around us, occasionally looking at NAV and checking that we're still going in the right direction. And this flying fish literally came over and skimmed my shoulder. Ooh. And I squeaked because it completely freaked me out, like three <laughs> o'clock in the morning. In the dark, <laughs> to the point the skipper woke up because I must have squeaked quite loud. And he was like, "Are you all right?" And I'm like, "Yes, yes, it's okay." And there's just this flying fish kind of flying around the cockpit.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, I mean, what made you? What made you decide to do it in the first place? What was it that inspired you to to take it on?
1: I'm, I've, I've, I've. mean, since 2007, I've been offshore racing. So I think I've done I don't know 20, 1,000 miles at sea. Mostly with JOG, so the Junior Offshore Group, which I helped run for a while. And I've done quite a lot of racing through long races. So we raced down to Hondarribia in northern Spain. We're very proud to win a crazy, crazy race, mostly in a 4th, eight in Headwinds, all the way down to Cascais, just outside Lisbon. So... You know, ticked off the fast net, which was a walk in the park after the Cash guys race, which you know, we had 50 knots over the deck and it's lying sideways in the water at one point off the coast of Portugal. But we also did 50 miles at sea in just under three hours. It's the most insane Good sailing. Probably yeah. I will ever see, you know, in a 36-foot boat. So um, properly nuts. We all had arms of jelly after that. Right. And so it was just, it was something I always wanted to do. And the opportunity came up, so I couldn't say no really. <laughs>
0: Fair enough. I can't blame you. I mean, you know, as well as sailing, you've obviously had a a really successful and and very varied career. Can you give us a whistle-stop tour of the the highlights and and the lowlights?
1: Oh, goodness. Well, highlights, lowlights, there's so many. More highs than lows, fortunately. So I speak four languages, which helps. So I think I grew up in quite an international environment. So I've pretty much always had international jobs. So I I started my career as the the brand manager for Mr. Potato Head.
0: (laughs) Amazing.
1: (laughs) <laughs> uh, amongst other things, so um, lots of lots of lots of work in toys and entertainment, which was quite fun. So, Star Wars, Mr. Potato Head, worked on My Little Pony, all sorts of fun things, something for everybody in the Hasbro toy box. And uh, and then I started working in media for a while, and then I went back from media to entertainment and worked for a division of Lego just long before they actually had the Lego movie, but we had started working on a script, something similar. We had some preschool TV shows that we made and distributed around the world. Incredible. So that's all. me travelling a huge amount. Not good for my carbon footprint. And then I went back into digital and advertising because I don't think the TV community at that time had really quite grasped the power of the internet to distribute right. content. So there's all this fabulous creativity around the world, but only this many broadcast slots yeah. that everyone was scrapping over. So... It was just like but there's this whole internet thing out there. I've always been a nerd, good geeky side to me. And so I went so I sort of stuck my foot my feet headfirst in digital. And I guess over the course of time. Ended up working with Procter & Gamble, ended up working with Samsung on the launch of mobile When smartphones were the thing that everyone had to have. Worked with Google for quite a while and YouTube and all of their portfolio of nerdy things I got to play with, which is great Amazing. fun. And then I moved out to Monaco for a short while and ran, I was CMO of World Athletics, so who are the governing body for athletics. So I'm very proud to put on the 2017 World Athletics Championships in London where We were sport event of the year from SportCal. We filled the stadium with 700,000 plus people over a 10-day event. It was amazing. Just the atmosphere and the energy of people in the stadium celebrating the phenomenal achievements of the athletes. Really cool. But again, another crazy travel world got in the way of my sailing.
0: No, I bet. And, and I was going to ask, I mean, what role has sailing played throughout your career or does it take the back seat or is it always front of mind?
1: I know, sailing's my sanity saver in a crazy, busy advertising media world. It's it's, it's where I go to actually do my best thinking at two o'clock in the morning, somewhere around the shipping lanes on my way to France overnight on a <laughs> jog race. Yes. There's some clarity of not being surrounded by noise, just surrounded by ships that somehow makes it easier to think. If all the noise of the week disappears. And, and I've always found that the minute I get on the boat on a Friday afternoon at four o'clock to do a cross channel race, yeah, my brain completely switches gear. It's fantastic.
0: I think a lot of people could probably sympathise. Yeah. What is it about sailing? Is it being on the ocean? Is it being close to water? Is it the practicality and the physicality of being on the boat? Or is it a combination of everything?
1: I think it's a combination of all of those. I'm, I'm an outdoors kind of girl. I've always been an outdoors kind of girl. I was lucky to grow up in the countryside, so it doesn't really matter. Kind of, I like wellies. <laughs> yeah, you know, My favourite footwear is wellies at the minute. They're on-land wellies. You know, my sailing wellies haven't seen too much action in the last year, obviously. Yeah. But I think there's, there's something that makes you very present when you're out in the elements. And inevitably, you've got, particularly on big, long races, you've got strategy and planning and weather routing and other things to think about. But... Ultimately, you have to have a huge respect for the ocean. You never quite know what she's going to throw at you, and it makes you concentrate. And I think that frees you from all the rest of the noise about daily life. And so, and that moment when you turn the engine off, for me, it doesn't matter how many times it's happened, thousands, I still get a buzz out of that moment of like, and and calm. I mean, it's not normally calm because it's kind of, you know, you're just about to start a race and someone's, you know, I'm I'm the bow pixie, so I get to work at the front splashy end. And uh, (laughs) so normally at that point, we're about to start a race and someone wants a spinnaker hoist any second now, so you're kind of running around. But yeah, not always calm, but still peace, (laughs) which is fabulous. (laughs)
0: Internal peace, if not necessarily external. (laughs) Exactly. Fair enough. And I mean, obviously you've done a whole load of things in your career. What are you up to now?
1: So... Part of my thinking time while I was crossing the Atlantic was, well, what do I do differently? And I kind of got to a point where I was a bit fed up of either spending my life on a plane commuting or on a train commuting into London. So I was like, right, I need to have a think about this. And having worked across so many different industries and so many different roles, you know, I do a lot of consultancy, but I, I think when I was crossing the Atlantic, I had a kind of a bingo moment. I'm like, you know what? Actually, I think I want to do something that helps other people, not just help sell product at the end of the day and so I retrained last year as an exec coach and uh, so I've just launched my coaching practice so what next coaching Mm chief plug and um, I'm working with a whole range of different people I'm doing quite a lot of work with c-suite so senior people coming up to what I would term third age because the word retirement doesn't really exist anymore so and society hasn't done a great job of giving people models of how to approach that. Yeah. And it's no longer go on a cruise for three months and then, you know, that'll be it. This is what I've been saving up my whole life for. Because yeah. that people end up pretty miserable quite quickly when they get back from that. And, but people spend lots of time and lots of effort planning the financials around their retirement. But so many people don't actually stop and think about the rest of their life holistically and how you plan with intent. For the rest of your life because we're living in a world of incredible longevity yeah you know, sure. my, my niece age five is something like one in four chance of living to 104 Good lord. You know, a 55 year old man now statistically has a one in four chance of living to 92 you know, so if you think about the gear change mm. chapter three if you like at 60 65 chances are you're going to be healthy and reasonably wealthy in today's world compared with a lot of the rest of the world for 30 odd years. That's wow. quite a lot of time to play golf or go sailing. I mean, go sailing would clearly be a much better you know, approach to that.
0: <laughs> well, naturally we would think so. <laughs> Does sailing play a role in any of your coaching or water generally?
1: I think there's an awful lot of analogy that you can draw upon from sailing because I think, because a lot of my sailing has been racing, Yeah, you get an awful lot of problem-solving skills, team skills, and there's some fantastic analogies in sailing that you can apply to help other people understand different concepts. So yeah. that whole notion of you, know, you can't control the wind, but you can trim your sails. Yeah. So work within the conditions that you've got. Don't just kind of let everything fly. Because generally that just makes a lot of flappy noise and you don't get anywhere. (laughs) That's
0: a great piece of advice. (laughs) And have you had people particularly struggling with the last 12 months? Obviously the challenges that COVID threw at them. Are people sort of seeing that as an opportunity or is it just an overwhelming challenge for most people?
1: I think it's a mixture. I think we've obviously all had to deal with a huge amount of change. On a repeated basis in different versions of it. So it really is, it's like head cell trimming. It's like in, out, in, out. Oh, no, change sales. No, need code zero. But what we're seeing, I'm seeing increasingly more you know, recently, kind of probably since the November lockdown, is is the cumulative effect of us constantly dancing and changing. And it's really draining. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think it's incredibly hard, particularly for senior leaders and managers, to keep their mojo. And keep motivating their teams when they're feeling as caged as everyone else. Yeah, and, and that's a real challenge. And I think that's also about helping people understand that rest doesn't have to mean sleep. You know, it could be Netflix and chill. Um, it's kind of like people bimbling about doing boat jobs. Yeah, it, it's very satisfying. You know, not that you know, we have so many options in terms of being able to come down and bimble around on. Boat at the minute but those things that are absorbing and take your mind off all the other stuff which your day- to-day noise are actually incredibly restorative yeah so as soon as we can open those doors and get out to sea the better there's going to be a lot of jobs to do before we all get going
0: absolutely right <laughs> one question that we've been mulling over here at Vogue folk and that I'm keen to get your view on is is there genuinely a therapeutic benefit to being on the water do you think
1: hundred percent I mean there's so many studies about being out in nature yeah about understanding that you are part of an ecosystem yeah it's about being present in your environment so something i read recently made a really good point and it was kind of there is a big difference between worrying and planning and we quite often confuse the two yeah and i think the ability and it comes back to the leadership piece we were just talking about is that your ability to kind of lift your head up from these screens that have dominated our lives. I mean, how lucky we are to have them because can you imagine having lived through lockdown when you were writing letters? Um, <laughs> Things
0: would be a lot slower.
1: It would have been a lot slower. but and, and, I, and I've talked to people about objectives this year and I'm like, well, think about it as good, better, best. Yeah. You know, good is I get to chat to people on Zoom and I see some real humans, albeit only in 2D. You no, know, <laughs> better would be some 3D interaction in real life. And then best would be a massive party. But that's not happening right now. But So if you settle yourself in that frame of mind, you're off.
0: That's a really great way of looking at things. Do you have a piece of advice for anyone listening? What what would be your one piece of advice in coping with lockdown and the challenges of juggling work and homeschooling for some and the lack of being able to see people yeah what advice would you give them
1: so I'm speaking to a sailing community right there is no such thing as the wrong weather get outside it yeah. helps lift your head up it helps lift your spirits and your energy put your oilies on if you have to but don't sit on the sofa for days on end without having had some fresh air Get outside. It's it's challenging, I know, at the minute to find places where it's not hideously muddy, or there's not also a scorpion people. Yep. Download that ordnance survey map. There, at least you can find the footpaths.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Very good point. Okay, so what's going to happen post lockdown? What are your plans for the hopeful summer that we might have?
1: Ah, oh, well, I'm hoping we'll be able to get back on the water in some shape or form. I'm yeah. not thinking that the uh, offshore season is going to look quite as it has done in the past. So I I think agility and flexibility remain the uh, core skills here. But I'm really hoping that we can get back outside again and enjoy some fresh air and some time on the water. And if I can't, then I shall be either on my friend's canal boat, which is a slightly more sedate form of uh, marine exercise, although much less risk of spilling your tea.
0: Very true. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's the flip side. Um, Always
1: an upside. (laughs)
0: Exactly. And and one on that note, I mean, you and I have spoken previously about the concept of laughter for leaders. Oh yeah. Talk to us about that. Well, what's the idea?
1: So I'm running a little experiment because I believe that there are lots of people in leadership positions who aren't having a lot of fun right now. And I really see the impact that's having on creativity. Because working from home has made an awful lot of people very task-focused. Because you can't just spontaneously kind of pop your head over a partition or have a chat with someone on your way out for lunch. It just doesn't work like that anymore. And I think it's really hard for those people in leadership roles you know, where you're trying to be falsely jolly, even if you're not feeling it per se, to keep your team going because everyone's having a challenge with this in their own different way. So I thought, right, I'm going to I'm gonna set up something fun and invite a discreet number of people to an evening that I've termed Laugh for Leaders where I'm working with improv partner to actually create a organized but fun session that leaders can can turn up to no preparation it's unfortunately on screen but we can't have everything in this world and just hang out and let the hair down for a bit but also more importantly share at the beginning in a trusted it's like boat rules apply trusted space some of the challenges that they're dealing with because I talk to so many different people in different industries as opposed to being in a job where you talk to the same people every day and I can see the commonality across all these spaces yeah. in a way that probably you can't because you talk to the same people every day. So yes, I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully we'll become a series where we invite other people over time and uh, or people put their hand up and say, I'd love to come, which would be even better. But yeah.
0: yeah. Well, look, I'm looking forward to the first session and I'm sure that it will be a huge success and uh, our listeners will be vying for a position on the next <laughs> Laughter for Leaders session.
1: Well, that would be amazing. You know, Always nice to meet new people. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Well, look, Fiona, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I just can't believe the life you've had. And I hope that we get a chance to meet in person very soon.
1: Oh, that would be really good. Dark and Stormy by uh, the pontoon would be amazing, wouldn't it?
0: Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Just got to hang in there for a few more months.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Thanks, Fiona. Sweet soon.
1: You're very welcome.
0: I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Folk Tales and that you'll join me for the next episode soon.